On today's pod, we have Steph once again as the host interviewing Anna, who is a new addition to Brian's research group. Anna, just like most people, did not know what she wanted to do in her final year at Ryerson and decided to take the year off to travel. Originally in medical physics, Anna, through her passion of traveling, had witnessed the many environmental impacts and different ways of life and decided to pursue a master's in environmental science. So please lean in to today's conversation with Steph and Anna. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. Today we have Anna. She's a new addition to Brian's research group as a master's student, and she's studying environmental sciences. Do you want to say hello, Anna? Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me on, Stephanie. Of course. So since Anna's new to the research group, I'm really excited to get to know her since our interactions have been completely online. (laughs) So why don't you give us a little introduction? Like, tell me about your role at Ryerson, what you do. I'm just starting with Brian technically in the fall, and I did my undergrad at Ryerson. I finished last year. Uh, so like I graduated in the spring 2019 from the medical physics program, and I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do next. So I took the year off and I slowly, like I took the year off to travel and I slowly realized like the environmental impacts of traveling and just seeing different ways of life. And I decided to pursue a career more in the environmental sciences. And Anna and I were just talking about this previously, but I just thought that was so interesting that she's studying environmental sciences. I think it's something that's kind of overlooked and it's kind of a niche. It's really interesting. And also, just so you guys all know, today we're going to be focusing, because Anna did a, spent a a bit of time abroad, we're not going to be as as similar to the other podcasts today. We're going to be asking her a little bit more about her travel experiences. So Anna, why don't you talk to us about like Personally, for myself, I feel that it's very difficult. Most people are like, should I take a year off? Should I travel? Or should I just apply to grad school? Like, how did that go for you? And how did you decide that, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, so starting in my in my program, everyone was either kind of, I'm going to med school with that mindset right away. And then for a lot of them, it was like, I don't really, like a lot of them were almost too worried to like broaden their horizons and apply to other places. So a lot of them continued either just within physics as a master's, like pure physics, or uh, staying in the medical physics community, which is great. Like a lot of people do want to be medical physicists, but not only did I realize I didn't want to be a medical physicist, like I just had no clue what I wanted to do. Like I started out being a 15, 16 year old. I was like, oh, I'll go to med school because Mm -hmm. my mindset was like, there's either lawyers, doctors, engineers. Like I was very, I, I had very few like avenues that I thought was kind of like the way to success. And like slowly as you go through high school and then into university, like you start to realize like there's so many more options out there, obviously, especially for our generation. Um, And I, but I just realized like medical physics itself is fascinating to me, but medical physics was just like not exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, And I just, I couldn't bring myself to apply to like continue on from my undergraduate thesis. I could have continued on to do my master's and I just, felt like I don't want to do this for the rest of my life or at least for the foreseeable future and I was raised by parents who like met traveling and um, my dad travels for his work so travel was always and just in my family in general like it's a big aspect of our lives I think the first time I traveled on my own I was like 16 or something 
So it's just always been something that's been there. And I'm fortunate enough that I like live at home. I commute to Ryerson. I would commute to Ryerson for undergrad and I could save my money. And that's what I would use to travel with like part-time jobs and stuff. So yeah, I saved up and I decided like, I'd rather travel for the year. This is kind of, because once you do your master's, I find that you're either continuing on to your PhD, which is great, or you're sort of, you've made connections in your master's that will give you job opportunities. And you can't kind of put your life on hold after you've made all these connections and say, for a year, I'm not, you know, like, I'll call you in a year. (laughs) So from, especially because I was going from, I knew that I wouldn't be doing medical physics at least. I knew that there'd be a, like this was my one opportunity to kind of like take that year and travel. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm choosing it. And you chose probably the best year to go travel because I don't think we're going to be able to do that for a while now. But anyway, that's just so amazing. That's so inspiring because I feel that people are always in such a rush to just get everything done. And I guess it's society that puts that pressure on us, but sometimes it's like you just took a year off and you just traveled and yeah, that's just so amazing. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like where you traveled to? Yeah, so I have a little bit of that adrenaline seeking gene, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and I like I had been to Europe a few times, either like I was lucky enough to travel with like my parents through work or uh, I went on my own uh, a few years before all of this. I had been to like China and Southeast Asia and I was like, I'm going to be traveling for I left May and I came back December and then I went again a bit earlier this year, but obviously I had to cu- cut that short. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, when I was going to leave in May, I'm like, I want to go somewhere new. I wasn't sure where. And the Middle East always fascinated me. And Africa is like so not traveled by, you know, it's and so I started untouched. sort of, it's so untouched. And mm-hmm. I did the East coast of Africa, which is way more touched than Western Africa. Like uh, I know very few people that have been there and it's like, there's like no hostels, almost no hotels. Like it's either pure camping or if you're like, obviously like a really wealthy person, maybe a thousand dollar a night place exists, but that's kind of it in Western Africa. But yeah, I have a bit of that adrenaline seeking rush. So I was like, the Middle East sounds like a great idea. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And then I just continued from Egypt down to South Africa. That was my route last year. And so did you go by yourself or did you go with family? I was on my own. I was totally on my own. My mom actually met me in Kenya for 10 days. Yeah. But no, other than that, I was totally on my own. So you traveled as a young female by yourself to the Middle East and Africa. Yeah. Yes. You really do like the adrenaline rush because yeah. I would never be able to do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, wow, that's crazy. And so you said that this traveling helped you determine that you wanted to study environmental science. Was there like, do you remember the exact point? Was there like a specific point or was it just kind of travel in general? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I remember sort of rationalizing traveling for the year as saying like, you know, not to be cliche, but a lot of people go, oh, you'll find yourself and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, not only will I do that, like within like a month of leaving, like I'll know exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like (laughs) not a clue. I was like September and I was still like, not a clue. (laughs) Um, But I, I don't know. I started to think about it. There's a lot of like Eastern Africa, especially Ethiopia has like very, very 
minimal um like transportation routes like like a three hour like a 300 kilometer drive could take like 20 hours on the bus and so you'll have a lot of time sitting by yourself you know your phone dies or like you know like you shouldn't use technology if it's like an overnight bus like I wouldn't call it technology so it's really a lot of like sitting and thinking on your own mm-hmm. and that was after I'd been in the Middle East and I noticed a huge like a lot of areas in the Middle East are like very low income and so are parts of Africa of course and mm-hmm. I'm talking sorry I mean sub-Saharan Africa uh, so the Middle mm-hmm. East I found that in in poor communities you would i mean there was no concept of the environment because or like on a very different note there's a lot of like animal neglect there like horses are starving and like i'm in egypt i can give an example like the horses that you know that try to get tourists to go on or like their hip bones are sticking out they're just in horrible malnutrition condition and as someone who like that really upsets me you know when you start to realize that like if this guy can't feed his family, why is he going to feed his horse? Right. And it's the same concept with the environment. It's like, I'm not like, it's a privilege to even worry about the environment. Yeah, for sure. If, you know, if, if you can't afford to buy a solar panel, you're going to burn coal because that's your cheapest option. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I noticed that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just as a nutrition student, we learn a lot about the environment and one of the things that we've learned was just that, you know, developing countries, they're obviously not going to focus on the environment. Like some places in like Southeast Asia and stuff, they don't have the privilege of waste disposal. Yeah. So they have to litter. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. So it's kind of it, like, it's like you said, it's, it, it really is a privilege to focus on the environment. And I guess sometimes it's tough to say, oh, well, they should be doing this because it's like you said, if it's the cheapest option and they yeah. don't have access to these things, it's just so, yeah. I totally It really is. And it, it really sits with you in a, interesting way and like I just experiencing that in the Middle East and um I grew up Egypt and with the Middle East there that's what I noticed the most but then what's was fascinating to me is Kenya and so I was going south yeah so by the time I crossed into uh, Kenya from Ethiopia the first thing they did was they searched my bags and threw out I always carry a few Ziploc bags with me just like I might have leftovers from a restaurant I'd keep it with me I travel very low budget yeah <laughs> and, they threw all they they got rid of all my plastic they said there is no plastic in our country and I'm like oh what <laughs> like I just crossed the border I'm like what <laughs> so yeah so Kenya and Tanzania have a 100% ban on plastic like you will oh, not see so it cool. anywhere yeah. of all places and in the world right like exactly Kenya. <laughs> yeah and it's fascinating because like neither of these countries are considered like you know have high GDPs or anything like that and they mm-hmm. can function without plastic in their societies. Yet, That's like amazing. the Western countries are so like everything is plastic based. Like you can't avoid it. Oh yeah. At, at points, oh, yeah. right? So, it was just like I crossed the border and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like it was just it was such a shift in like how you're viewing things, um, and I think that's kind of where I started to realize like how come Kenya and Tanzania with very low poverty, like very high poverty levels, sorry, can have no plastic use yet we don't. And it just like, it really didn't sit with me right. And that's when I started to look into this as more of a career option because. Oh, that's so interesting. That's such an amazing story. Like just to tell people, they ask you like right now, oh, why'd you start studying the environment? All this stuff. Like most people are just (laughs) like, oh, you know, like, but you're like, oh, I went to Kenya and (laughs) that's so cool. (laughs) That's so amazing. That's 
that's like the yeah. best case scenario too. It just kind of fell upon you, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah that's so cool. What did you want to be as a kid? As a kid, I don't really remember. As like a teenager, it was definitely medicine. Yeah, that's and all I could think about, yeah, but all I could think about was like, what should I do as my undergrad to get into med school? And like that mm-hmm. was my only original concern. So I actually started at Queens because I found a program that had like a high rate of like matriculation to med school. And that's actually kind of where Brian got me to concentrate more on like Arduinos and software stuff because it was a computer science program, like right. mixed with biology. But it just, yeah, it just wasn't the school for me. It wasn't the right environment for me. And things just kind of fell into place where I transferred to Ryerson and it worked yeah. out in my favor. And so you said that you commute. Where do you live? I'm in the West End, like just where like Jane Station is about there. Okay. Okay, so yeah. pretty pretty close, no? Yeah, definitely, like, bikeable if it's not bad weather. Is that where you're from, or, like, did you grow up somewhere else? Did you guys move? My family's all from Montreal, but... Um, oh, like interesting. My family. Yeah, um, but no, I've pretty much grown up in Toronto. Like That's cool. My, there, yeah. yeah. My mom's from Montreal, so that's really cool. Oh, awesome. And you said your parents travel around a lot. What, If you don't mind me asking, what type of jobs yeah. do they have? Yeah, so um, my dad is a mining engineer, but he would, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so what he actually does is he's sort of like an inspector of mines. So if a company wants to go and buy a mine, they'll send him to like inspect it and like give it value, like to value how much the mine is worth. I think there's a specific word for that. I can't remember. So yeah, so he would be essentially paid to go to different countries and travel and like lots of countries that. Like, for, so my dad's Armenian, so uh, he looks much more Middle Eastern than I do. So he could get away with traveling to some countries and also because he's a man. So there are some places that like, I could never go with him, partly on my gender and partly that I'm just too pale that it would, might cause problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of where I got that travel aspect from. And then my mom works in the business sector more, but her family also is just like this concept of like traveling is one of the most important ways to gain knowledge outside of school like that there's formal and informal education and so she was traveling when she met my dad and that's sort of how we're raised with the travel aspect too yeah that's so cool yeah my parents are are super into traveling as well and they're I mean we don't go overseas that much but um yeah they're always encouraging it as just like a great way to learn and stuff that's so interesting that's that's lucky so you were able to travel along with your dad just to some places right yeah to quite a few I was lucky you said that you were originally wanting to go to med school so (laughs) were you a good student then or how did you find your undergrad and you said you had some like, I guess, some struggles with transitioning to Queens and coming home? Like, how did you find that journey? Yeah, so um, most of my parents' siblings are either kind of how I was mentioning, like, they're either engineers, doctors, lawyers, whatever, uh, or the business sector, I guess. And I was kind of always raised by, like, my extended family that, like, those are the professions. Like, those are, like, what's going to guarantee you a job Mm. to some extent, which we all know is not actually the case anyways. Yeah. and so I was raised much more like that. And like the law is not something that I'm, I don't have that brain. I can't write essays very well. I'm much more on the um, like science spectrum. And so I thought, yeah, med- medical school, like that would be my best option. And so 
applying after, I mean, I, you, I'm sure went through the same process, you know, you're like applying in grade 12 to look for a school. And when you're looking at med schools, I think the average, I, I don't know for sure if it's exactly this summer, but I vaguely think it's about five or 6% of students who apply from most like life science programs and stuff get in. But this one program at Queens that they were really promoting at the time uh, was called biomedical computing. And they had a rate of like three out of four people get in or something. Oh um, wow, that's pretty high. It is, except they they didn't mention that very few people actually end up graduating from the program, yeah. mostly. <laughs> because it's, it's like, like a graduate like, class of yeah. 10 people. <laughs> yeah, so you end up graduating with a BSc and a BComp, like a, a Bachelor wow. of Computers. That's intense. Your, it's, it's very, very intense. And I thought, you know, worst comes to worst, but I'm getting into med school. Computer science is like, a, obviously, a skill yeah. that's important to have. Yeah. Um, but I just, I got there and, and for me, just Queens wasn't the environment for me. And the program was just like the average course, I think, or the amount of courses you take per semester is like five courses and theirs was eight or nine. Oh my um, God. And I, yeah. And like, I know my limit and my limit is not eight or nine courses a semester. It was just not going to work for me. <laughs> That's um, brutal. Oh it was, it was so brutal. <laughs> um, and now it's on the, the rise. Like, I have a lot of friends who are uh, have younger siblings who are just starting undergrad yeah. and like it's a huge up-and-coming field now like biomedical engineering computing but yeah I just I switched to Ryerson and I because the way they switch you is you don't actually choose which science you're in originally and I actually took my first physics course at Ryerson I never took it in high school and I just fell in love with it I fell in love with how straightforward it was always two plus two is four there's no room for like yeah interpretation and that's what I, I just fell in love with it and switched into physics so that's what that's I where I am yeah yeah I always try to avoid physics in high school because everybody said <laughs> it was so hard so I'm like there's no way I'm taking that but apparently lots of people yeah. that took it for the first time in university said that they really liked it so I'm kind of like I should have taken it <laughs> yeah it's it's and Ryerson has a great program like it's much smaller and not as known as say like U of T in Toronto obviously yeah, yeah. but the teachers are just like they're there to teach they're not just there for research mm-hmm. and so I mean just the quality of professors that we got and that I can stay friends with and are like great mentors to me like it was just a great the physics environment at Ryerson is like it's very not just inclusive but like they're there to help you it's not a cutthroat environment some people thrive in that and it's just not for me like I much prefer like a collaborative like helpful environment versus like Mm -hmm. that cutthroat (laughs) yeah Yeah. no that's really interesting that you say that too because that's kind of a reoccurring theme or I guess statement that people keep saying is that Ryerson has really good professors and I was saying before too in in my um, interview with Rita that that was one of the reasons why I chose Ryerson because it's smaller classes and you're able to communicate with the professors and stuff so that's really cool that you find it that way as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I guess I'll go into more general questions now, but sure. uh, what do you like most about being a student and what do you like least? Oh, that's interesting. I don't, I don't really know, actually. Like, I actually like, don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> what made you come back to do your master's? Is it because you love to learn or was it just like, why didn't you just finish school after your undergrad? So... I mean, it would be for two reasons. The first one is, yeah, I love to learn. Like, absolutely. And I, I, I always wanted to pursue, like, some sort of higher education, regardless of what that would have been. But the second is definitely because the medical physics degree that I have, 
is a great degree and I can apply it to, you know, more of a computer science side or maybe a pure physics side, but physics doesn't, pure physics in itself doesn't have many jobs available to you yeah. out of the get-go. You have to specialize. Yeah. And then medical physics itself, like, is not a career that I want to pursue. It's more or less like radiology. You can work with MRI, CT machines, like just with the undergraduate degree. And that just wasn't something that I wanted. You could go and specialize further into like the nuclear side of stuff. But I just, it was just like with just the undergraduate degree, it was not something that I could see myself doing with any of the jobs that I, that qualified for. Okay, fair. Moving on to the next question, what transferable skills do you think every student should have? And it doesn't have to be school related, like it could just be kind of general. One that's more school related and one that's not the school related one, I would say is if a student could even on their own teach themselves like some basic computer science skills would go a long way just Mm -hmm. like career-wise and job-wise like it would make you stand out I do believe that I think that in the non-school way in the more general way I would say like learning how to take criticism constructive Mm -hmm. obviously if someone's like yeah bullying you you know yeah yeah but when it's constructive and I'm still working on that like by no means do I have that down (laughs) but I do find that yeah it's it's something that's really important because especially when it's like your supervisor or a professor who's giving you constructive criticism like 99% of the time they're not looking for you to fail they're trying to help you yeah and sometimes it's hard to see that like because someone's sort of it's a little negative right so it's hard to sort of like wrap your head around that but I think that that would be one of the most important skills but again I'm still working on that so oh of course yeah I think we all are I don't think anyone really is okay criticize me like you know it just kind of yeah (laughs) But yeah. uh, I think those are really good points. I don't think anyone said that before. But yeah, the computer okay. science one, I was going to say, like, I could definitely benefit from teaching myself some computer science stuff because I never, like, I never know what I'm doing with my laptop and I could definitely yeah. become more techie. And I think that is yeah. really important too, just with the, especially from starting to work from home. And I feel like we're going to be taking on such, like, a bigger technological, I guess, stance. I, I'm not too sure, but I definitely yeah. think that's a really good point as well. Yeah, I think it's really gonna, especially right from like working from home and just in general, like I think just the other day they announced that they're gonna teach coding in schools and I think that's like yeah. really long overdue. That's <laughs> like, so cool. Yeah, just just the absolute basics, even to just know the terminology. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think it would be really important for students, yeah. Oh yeah, I think that'd be, that's that's really interesting. I think that's a really great idea. I remember they used to do the tech course in, in my high school, they taught you how to like type and stuff. And I feel like that's kind of redundant now because everybody kind of knows how to type. So maybe they need to replace that course with the the coding course. That's so cool. Yeah. So now I'm going to move on to the rapid fire section. And these <laughs> questions are more, uh, they're like smaller questions, kind of easier to answer. Not always easy, maybe not easy, more simple. So you can respond with one word, two words, one sentence, whatever. It's not as deep of questions. So just <laughs> give me your best response to them and we'll just go through them a bit quicker. So okay. what factoid do my colleagues know least about me? I used to be a professional dancer. Oh, interesting. What type of dance? Yeah. A contemporary. Okay, cool. And do you still dance now or do you just do it on the side or something? Oh, it's been on the side for a while, but um, yeah, it was, I, I went to LA for a little bit um, to try to pursue it after Queens because I wasn't sure if I'd, um, trans- transferring universities is not very easy. 
and yeah the lifestyle is not for me it's it's very very high paced and high strung and it wasn't for me science is definitely more up my alley but it was a fun experience that's such a great experience too at least you gave it a shot right now you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) what famous person current or otherwise would you most like to go to dinner with um who was that comedian he passed away Um, oh robin williams yes thank you probably (laughs) and why is that i just always appreciated his um his style of movies and um just what i know about him as a person i would have liked to have dinner with him I just think of uh, Jumanji, the original one. Have you seen that movie? No, I'm thinking more of like Dead Poet Society and those movies. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like a child movie that I'm thinking, I was thinking of Doubtfire and stuff. He was in that, right? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, yeah. Too. I'm thinking of those movies. He was a great actor. What is your favorite food? Anything Italian, pasta, pizza, I'll eat any of it. <laughs> I have a good question though, specifically for you. What was, when you were traveling, what was your favorite place? Like, which place had the best food? Oh, Lebanon. Absolutely. Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. so good. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I could totally relate to that. What is your favorite beverage? Wine. If <laughs> 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 it's not alcohol, um, probably just, like, tea. <laughs> no, what type of wine, though? That's the question. Oh, oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be alcohol or not. No, um, no, it's okay. White wine, like Pinot Grigio. Pretty much any white wine I like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's your favorite color? Pink, maybe? All right. Complete this yeah. sentence. If I was not a master's student, I would like to be... An astronaut. Oh, so That's many awesome. people said that. Really? That's so oh. cool. Yeah, so many people said that. <laughs> That's so interesting. Uh, astronaut it always scared me I was like what if you got stuck or something (laughs) I I think that but I also just it's like the next step for me like adrenaline wise like I just (laughs) I swear you're gonna next time you go like you're gonna have you gone skydiving or anything like that uh no I've actually never been lucky enough to go skydiving but that's so surprising you sound like that's totally up your alley I know I wanted to I just haven't had like the opportunity oh maybe I'll ask you the next question though so name something that's in the top 10 of your bucket list um I originally wanted like my bucket list was to visit every country in the world and I've Mm -hmm. got a little more realistic to 100 countries (laughs) um so that's on my bucket list that's so cool and who was or is your favorite role model I'd say my mom like yeah she's been through a lot yeah I can relate to that what is your greatest achievement I don't know I think a lot of people would just say like oh my degrees but I do think like there were some hairy places that I got through in some countries and yeah just sort of like pushing through and not like quitting halfway through is about seven months like that's probably like the perseverance that I gained from that was probably more oh yeah for sure. And what was your greatest failure? I did have to cut one trip short just for like personal reasons. And that's, even though it shouldn't, that does feel like my greatest failure. But. Well, maybe you'll get to go back one day. Maybe, hopefully that everything opens. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most grateful for? I guess just to, like we were talking about earlier, just to be privileged enough to 
not only just to have traveled, but to like care about the environment and how I even came to realizing that that's the career that I want. Like that in itself is something that I'm really grateful for. Oh yeah. And what concerns you the most? Just everything that's going on in the world right now. It's been, yeah, it's, it's something once you, I think what sits with me the most is once I realized that this is just becoming prominent now, but it's always been an issue just with all the hate and everything going mm-hmm. on in the world. I think it's always been there, but until it's been like brought forward more by like the BLM movement and stuff. Yeah. Oh, this is a good question for you. What spot in the world do you most like traveling to? <laughs> yeah, I would still say it's hard to choose between the Middle East. I think Sub-Saharan Africa. It's just, mm-hmm. I love places that are so untouched. Also China. I went to China three years ago. And that too is just like so untouched by like Western tourism. Mm-hmm. So between those two, yeah. That's so interesting. Hopefully I can get out there one day and see if I feel the same way. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> what is your most productive time of day? Uh, probably now. I'm not like a super morning person or a super late person. Mm-hmm. It's like the middle of the day is my best time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what is your favorite hobby? I guess because of COVID being home more, I definitely picked up like making a lot of puzzles. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. have. <laughs> We've probably completed about 12 puzzles in my house right? within the first month though. Not even like now. Yeah. Like, it was like, we had to go out to Walmart. We had to get puzzles and it, we always yeah. lost one piece. There was always one piece. My dog would always eat it and so frustrating. Oh my, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dog was scared of the puzzles, so he didn't try to eat them. <laughs> it's always that one piece. You, if you lose one piece, yeah. you're just pissed. You just can't finish it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what piece of advice would you give your second year self? Oh my god, second year self. I was such a different person second year. Right. I don't know. I would probably say like I'm actually not totally sure. Maybe like I kept trying to pursue like too many minors at once and I yeah. never actually got to complete them. So maybe to like focus in more. I'm not really I don't really know actually. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. It's it's yeah. a tough question to be honest. Yeah, since I know then your um I guess it was the student panel. You answered a bunch of questions on COVID. I think I'm going to skip over those for today. And we've been talking for a while, so we should probably wrap it up just in the interest of time. But I'm going to ask you this one last question. Hopefully it's not too difficult. Do you have any piece of advice or quotes that you live by that you'd like to share with the listeners? Anything I've learned recently through being home all the time is really to like get my health in check. And I used to concentrate like long story short, I used to concentrate too much on like specifically the way that I look as a sign of how my health is instead Mm -hmm. of concentrating on like all the nutrients that I'm eating and like that Mm -hmm. exercise is just good for you. Not that it's like to look a certain way. Yeah. And that's not so much a piece of advice because it's so much easier said than done. But like when you're ready to like come to that point in your life where it's about your health and not about maybe like how you're thinking you look, it's it's really eye-opening but it's also you realize how much more of like a long-term aspect it is in your life mm-hmm. weight-free health yeah. weight-free nutrition yeah and you probably know weight- so much more about that than me <laughs> oh no no of course it's just I feel like it's something that's not talked about enough and I'm really happy yeah. that you brought that up because yeah. I want it it should the loss of weight should be a byproduct of your health not so much the end goal you know yeah exactly if yeah. that's what you're interested in but yeah, that's, that's yeah. a really good, that's a really good tip. Yeah. And I have, 
had a really fun time talking to you and now I know you a bit better yeah, and now everybody stuff. else. Yeah. yeah, I'm so happy that we got to talk. I think I'll probably contact you and talk to you more about the traveling because that's so yeah. interesting. Any to me. questions ever? Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. We'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. Yeah, very soon. <laughs>